Roberts, and thank you uh, for tuning in to the fourth episode of the Stride Power podcast. I just want to say at the top of the show, we really appreciate all the feedback that everyone has given over the first three episodes. We really appreciate it. We're really excited to keep this uh, podcast format going to help you learn a little bit more about uh, Stride, how to run with power, um, and just how to keep helping your running improve Uh, Also at the top of the show, I definitely would love if you listen on uh, the platform of your choice, if they have a rating system or a subscription system uh, to subscribe so you can automatically download uh, whenever one of these episodes comes out. Right now, we're usually planning for around Friday night, Saturday morning, so you have that for your uh, weekend long run, uh, just in case Uh, that fits in your running schedule. So you have something to listen to that's semi-informative or educational, um, as well as if you can rate the Stride Power podcast on the platform of your choice for listening. It helps other people find the podcast. It shows up easier uh, and and higher in uh, people's lists. So uh, if you want to spread the good word and help people get educated about running with power and running with Stride, uh, just simply subscribing and then uh, rating the show on your favorite platform helps other people see the podcast. Um, Enough with that sort of administrative talk. Today, uh, this episode, as you can probably tell by the title, is going to be all about critical power and the uh, critical power test, which is something that uh, we use a lot internally at Stride. Uh, We use the models for critical power to help for race planning suggestions. We uh, like following the certain set data points that we have kind of built in over over the past little bit with the Stride Power Center. But the main thing the episode today is going to focus on is explaining what critical power is uh, and why you can use it in your training. Also, how to actually do a critical power test. If you've read through some articles and just kind of feel confused and not really knowing uh, what direction you should turn, should you use a race estimate? Should you use one of the multiple different types of critical power tests. We're going to go all through that. Uh, What this episode is not going to do specifically, uh, we're going to leave for a future episode, is talking about how to race plan off of your critical power. So that's going to be in the future. We wanted to lay some sort of uh, groundwork and some sort of foundation uh, explaining more about what critical power actually is and how you can use it in your training as well as actually finding the correct critical power. So, um, when we're starting here, the I, I do want to give a couple shout outs uh, specifically to Steve Palladino, Jim Vance, Andrew Coggan, um, and then others who I forgot to type in this document I'm reading from right now to give credit. But uh, their, their work on uh, not only running with power, but explaining uh, running with power has been really, really helpful to us at Stride. But then also for me, as I'm trying to gather these resources, um, a lot of these resources come from these same people. So I just wanted to say thanks um, off the top. Getting into it, critical power, CP for short. Uh, you you might have seen this before if you ever uh, set up a Stride profile on your uh, Stride app on your mobile phone. It'll ask you to uh, you know, enter a recent race time to estimate critical power. You might just say, oh, I, I don't really care about this right now. Um, I want to make a pitch for why you should care about it if you don't. And then also if you do care about it, but you don't really know about it and how it's calculated or what you're kind of looking for with that, or even if you do know what critical power is, you use it regularly, you might learn something new today. I definitely learned a couple new things 
uh, putting this document together and kind of reading through things and setting it up. So <clears throat> starting off, uh, this quote comes from Andrew Cargan. Uh, the highest power that a runner can maintain for one hour without fatiguing uh, is in reference to uh, what's called functional threshold power, FTP. And for these purposes uh, that, that we're going to look at today, CP, which is critical power, and FTP, which is functional threshold power, are going to be interchangeable. We're assuming that the critical power we're running at is for 60 minutes. FTP is, again, the highest power that a runner can maintain for one hour without fatiguing. Um, originally, uh, it was it was defined as that uh, with new sort of uh, trends and new sort of analysis. Um, the approximately one hour component of the definition of critical power in FTP has been slightly clarified to be somewhere between 30 to 75 minutes, depending on the individual. So I want to first explain what this means for saying depending on the individual. If you are a novice runner and you are building up to the point where you are trying to run an hour straight because uh, run-walk programs are absolutely fantastic. Uh, they help you you know, finish confidently. They help you finish without overextending yourself and not being able to finish in the first place. Um, if you are not able to run for 60 minutes straight at a steady effort, then the 60-minute functional threshold power or CP is not really applicable to you, which is why there's this lower range, this uh, 30 minute range going all the way up to 75 minutes. Let's say that um, you train for ultra marathons or you train for extremely long distance stuff. There's a, a little bit fewer people that run on the trails in the ultra scene compared to just regular road races and marathoning, but there are quite a lot of people that might be able to run the same exact power for 60 minutes as they can for 75 minutes. So we're, we're looking at these small, um, you know, kind of cases on either side, but this FTP or this CP is still applicable for you depending on your, your training history, depending on your current situation too with, with your running. So um, the, the, the main thing that I wanna hammer home here is that CP, critical power, is one of the most important metrics that you can pay attention to with your running. Uh, the benefit that you get by wearing a power meter while running is that you have this power data. And because you can train with it every day on easy runs, on long runs, on uh, you know workout days, during races, you have the advantage of knowing how your body actually responds in terms of this this power not just looking at you know how long it took you to run this half marathon you can actually see that it took me this many watts over this certain amount of time span to run this performance and you can compare that power over time so the ftp this critical power that is the main benefit it's one of the most important metrics uh the episode three covered the different metrics besides uh, just looking at this standard power, but now this one is going to kind of dive into that. Um, most runners, whether you're running 5K up to the marathon, you are usually plus or minus 10% above and below your critical power. So if you're running a 5K, you're usually going to be somewhere within, uh, you know, within 10% above your critical power. So going up to 110% of that power, if you're running a marathon, usually 
going down to 90% of that critical power is a pretty safe estimate without going into the nuts and bolts about how to actually give race guidance and race planning advice based off your critical power. Again, that's going to be for another episode. Um, when you monitor this critical power over time, it can be as important as any of these other metrics. Like we talked about in the last episode about how you might notice that uh, one certain uh, biomechanical metric of yours, let's just say for this instance, it's ground contact time. Let's say your ground contact time is a little bit low. You do these plyometrics, you do these drills, these uh, jumping exercises, and then all of a sudden you notice your uh, plyomet- your ground contact time because of these plyometrics improves. That's one metric that we talked about improving. This critical power metric is something that we can continually monitor whether you're racing, whether you're doing workouts, whether you're just base building. Uh, This is something that we can absolutely monitor over time. And it's probably a little bit easier to conceptualize rather than looking at all these jumbles of different numbers all over the place. So uh, the main thing that yeah I want to talk about today is how you can actually do a critical power test with a couple different methods to fit your exact situation and find out how you can actually act on that and use that in your training. Um, To start off, I wanna throw out a few terms that people might've heard of when we're talking about different running performances and different tests. So some training plans, some training methodologies uh, reference a specific term called LT. And for uh, those that have run on a certain Uh, plan before, it stands for lactate threshold. And people might have heard that before. People might have not heard that before. Um, Lactate threshold is the threshold at which your body goes through a couple of physiological changes. And mainly that is blood lactate accumulating faster than your body is actually able to clear it out. Um, Once you go above this lactate threshold, this LT, you'll start to fatigue quicker. So it's important to be aware of this, cognizant of it, uh, to kind of know where that threshold is for the context of your training. Um, So that's one thing that people usually get tested. Uh, You can test this in a, uh, usually in a lab setting. If you have ever seen people running on treadmills in a lab and then they have people, uh, you know, kind of prick their fingers and they uh, squirt out a little bit of blood out of their finger, they put this in this monitor, they measure the um, actually the amount of blood lactate in that blood as this treadmill test gets more difficult so you can find this threshold. Um, you don't need to do that. If you have done it, you know uh, how fun, in air quotes, fun of an experience it is. Uh, the other term that I want to kind of address that I feel like more people have heard of is called VO2 max. And uh, a lot of people have heard of this. If you haven't, no worries. Uh, again, this is a um, lab tested measure. Usually uh, it is the upper limit of the rate of your aerobic energy production is the clinical scientific definition. Um, it means the amount of oxygen that you can take in continuously. Um, So if you have ever, again, seen people running on a treadmill with a mask attached to their face, uh, they're breathing in the air from the surrounding room through one side of this little tube in this mask, and they're breathing out this air into this tube that feeds into a machine, and it will tell you how much oxygen you're actually taking in and using uh, per minute. Uh, And so uh, people talk about having a high VO2 max, and that makes you a good runner. 
Not necessarily. Um, this again, this podcast episode is not a talk on VO2 max. I just wanted to make sure that definition was out there um, just in case we reference it in the future. Uh, but so you're more aware of it as well. Um, with this, the, these two specific things in mind, um, the, the critical power kind of goes along with either of these two as kind of a uh, another offshoot. So if you know your lactate threshold, if you know your LT, you can plan your training accordingly to test and uh, you know, see where your blood lactate spikes. Uh, it's called like a deflection point where all of a sudden just curves way up. That means that you're running past an actual effort level where your body says, hey, I need to slow down. I need to not go this hard because I'm not gonna be able to keep running at this intensity for very long. If you know that specific number, you can plan your training around the, uh, you know, the heart rate, the pace, the power, where your lactate deflection point is for this threshold to train your threshold to be better if you know your vo2 max you know the uh, training effort the training intensity that you can run at to get the best bang for your buck without overshooting too hard doing these speed intervals too fast um, you can train specifically this at this vo2 max if you've done this testing that's leading into why doing a critical power test is important once you get your critical power number uh, you can better structure your training to be more relevant, to give you an advantage over just uh, you know clicking on a training plan or flipping through a training plan or just saying, hey, you know what? I wanna go jog for 30 minutes today or I wanna do this uh, certain track workout because my group of running friends uh, says we're doing this track workout at this certain pace. With this information, you'll be able to better structure your training. So going into a critical power test, um, like I said, from the get-go, the first time you download the Stride app onto your mobile phone, it'll take you through this onboarding process. You'll be able to create an account. If it's your very first time, you'll be able to sign in um, if you have already had an account. Uh, if it is your very first time, it will usually ask you for a 5K or 10K time. Uh, this basically just gives a leg to stand on for Stride to kind of get to know you and give you some power zones based off that. Uh, I want to start with the sort of easiest way to do a critical power test, and that is to do a 5K or a 10K, and then go to the Stride website or the Stride mobile app, and then enter that 10K or 5K, that, that race performance. Um, and then with that knowledge, uh, along with the, um, you know, the, the, the power that you had from that race, you get your estimated critical power. Um, I think that is the easiest because usually mentally it is a lot easier to go and sign up for a race rather than do a, um, you know, kind of a time trial session by yourself. Uh, if you find success and you find that when you are doing these, uh, you know, these, these races, they're lining up with the, the power output that you're kind of expecting based off the zones that are already recommended, then keep doing it. If it's your very first time using Stride, use this 5K or 10K time uh, to just kind of give you a base that you kind of know where you're coming from. But then once you get a couple weeks using it, I would definitely encourage you to do an actual critical power test. And so now I'm gonna talk about the uh, different protocols that we have for this critical power test and explain why we do them. So these tests are a two-part all-out test. And so when people hear all-out, they immediately kind of 
freak out or think, oh my gosh, I, I can't do this. Um, in reality, this is going to either be 12 minutes of running hard or it is going to be nine laps total on a track is all you have to do for these tests. You don't have to go out there and run all out for 60 minutes to find your actual critical power. Um, for these tests, it's meant to be something that you can conceivably work into your training week. You can sub it out for a speed workout. Um, you can sub it out for a race or you can just, you know, let's say it's Tuesday and you say, hey, you know what? I want to recalculate my critical power. You go out armed with this information, armed with this knowledge. Now you can better structure your training going forward. So the test protocol, um, starting just from the top, uh, 15 to 20 minutes of warm up. if you are able to run 15 to 20 minutes of warm-up. If you're not, uh, five minutes to 15 minutes of warm-up. Again, this is all just based on your personal situation. Do a warm-up. Um, where you get your blood moving, you get your heart rate up, you get your muscles a little bit warmer, you don't just walk straight out the door and start doing this test because you are not going to have as optimal a result. Um, you do a 15 to 20 minute warm up, and our critical power test calls for a little bit of uh, more quicker running, a little bit higher power running. Uh, these are in the form of what's referred to as strides. So if you've never heard of a stride before, spelled S-T-R-I-D-E, not S-T-R-Y-D, um, there might be a little confusion there as I say it, but doing strides are somewhere between uh, 15 to 30 second bouts of running that is about at 5K to quicker intensity. So what these do uh, they help prime your body to get ready to run faster. They uh, overall just increase that turnover, that leg speed right before you start trying to go into a hard effort. So if you imagine you went straight from your warm-up into uh, you know doing this critical power test, doing this uh, near all-out race effort, you want to be warmed up, and this helps you get warmed up. So the recommendation is uh, two times 30 seconds at a little bit faster than your 5K effort or uh, four times about 15 seconds at what you feel like you could run a mile at that same intensity with a uh, minute recovery in between. Uh, for these strides, if you've ever been at a uh, local road race or any other different race and you see these people um, lining up on the, on the front of the line and they keep doing these runs back and forth before the race starts and they look like they're running pretty quick, that's what they're doing. They're doing these things called strides. If you've ever um, been to a track meet and seen people running back and forth before their race starts, that's what these things are. Um, if you've never heard of it before in your life, now you know. It's super simple. It's somewhere between two to four times, 15 to 30 seconds at a harder intensity than your warm-up to get your body ready to run faster for this upcoming critical power test. Um, so we have two different set either time or distance critical power tests. We can either do it by minute duration or we can do it by laps. If you have access to a track I would encourage you to do the lap test. So I'm going to talk about this one first. This test goes in the order of doing your warm-up, doing some strides, uh, jogging a little bit more before you start so you have a little bit of recovery after you've done those strides, those little bit harder runs, 
and then you start with a six lap time trial. Um, the overall setup that I'd say for this is that if you have a watch that is set up with stride, you start an activity right when you start this time trial, um, or you make a new split, it's up to you, somewhere where you can signify the start in the end of this six lap portion. Um, because then afterwards, um, in, in Power Center on the mobile app, uh, we're going to want to be able to view the average for this six lap time trial. And then we're going to want to view the average for the second part of it as well. Um, but starting out this example situation, I've gone out, I've done my warm up, I've done my strides, I've done a little bit of an easy jog, and now I'm standing on the starting line. Uh, my heart rate is slightly elevated. I feel really good. I feel really good to go to run six laps at a even effort as fast as I can. So that does not mean start out 100 meters as fast as you possibly can, do a quarter lap, do a half lap sprinting, and then all of a sudden slow down. You want this to be the most representative of what you will do on race day. So if you just picture a race day scenario in your head where you say, of course I know because I pace by power or I you know, use stride and I know that if my power goes way up at the beginning, it's gonna dip down at the end because I got too fatigued too early. You're gonna wanna expend your energy as evenly as possible. So you start with this first lap in control, but, very, but quick, as even as possible. You do one, two, three, four, five, six laps. Um, if you choose to split, take each lap as a split or each 200 meters as a split to kind of see uh, where your power changes over time, totally up to you. The important thing is that you do six laps at a very even effort and intensity, and then you mark that end of that six lap by either stopping your watch and start and saving that activity so it's saved on your watch and you can upload it and look at it later, um, or you take a split to go into this recovery portion, you just need to mark like uh, mark out where you start this six laps and where you finish this six laps. You don't need to look at your power during necessarily, just make sure you're pacing very even. So let's say I finished this six laps, I feel good. I finished you know, knowing that I uh, gave it what I thought was a very even um, pacing, a very even effort. Um, you're then going to take at least, at least, at least 10 to 15 minutes recovery in between. And that means walking to light jogging or running. You can take up to 30 minutes recovery in between. I recommend taking as much time as you have time for with this recovery. So 30 minutes to make sure you are completely rested. We want these two efforts to be close to each other. Uh, so you're going to follow this first six laps up with another effort. We want this recovery in between to make sure that your body is recovering from this 1.5 mile time trial, this six lap time trial. Um, if you feel the need to do a couple more of these strides or um, if you normally do drills like we talked about in the last episode doing these high knees or butt kicks or skips, um, feel free to do that. If you feel the need to just walk just walk, just do whatever you personally need to do to recover in between. Um, okay, so now that we did the six laps, we did this recovery in between, we're now gonna do a three lap time trial. And this one should be a higher power, it should be quicker, it is shorter, it's half of the distance, it's half of the time. 
um, that you're going to be running. So with this, you should feel capable now that your body is warmed up from that warm up. You're warmed up from that time trial you did. You have some recovery in between. You should feel like you can go faster. That again, that does not mean for the first hundred or two hundred meters you need to sprint the you know the, the opening portion of it. But know that you only have three laps for this one. Um, you're going to do the same exact thing. You're going to start um, when you start that you know three lap time trial. You're going to mark it somehow however is convenient for you uh, if you are not using a watch at all you can use the strides offline sync feature to just um, go straight into it but just make sure that you have some way to keep track of the laps uh, some way to keep track of the warm-up and cool down um, and recovery in between but we did a six lap time trial we did that active recovery in between now we did the three lap time trial it is now time to do a 10 to 15 minute cool down uh, of walking or light jogging and know that your effort is, uh, it, it is, is very, very well done. The other way we can do this sort of uh, test protocol is we can, instead of doing six laps on the track, we can do nine minutes. So we're going to sub out what I just said. We're going to do that same warm up uh, with that same uh, bout of strides at the beginning. So we make sure our body's still warmed up. Instead of going to your track, if you don't have access to a track or um, if you're preferring to do this on a bike path or the road or a loop near your house that you know uh, you always run on, we're going to do nine minutes. For this, you're going to need a watch. Uh, you're going to mark out nine minutes. You're going to keep that running counter and you're going to look for that nine minutes. That doesn't mean look every 15 seconds, but uh, on your watch, you're going to run for nine minutes at even of an intensity as possible. You're going to run as even as possible. We're still going to take that same exact recovery in between. Then we're going to take uh, a three-minute session instead of three laps. So the first test protocol was six laps, three laps. This next session is nine minutes and then three minutes. So we can either do the six lap, three lap, or we can either do the nine-minute, three-minute test. The same process before in between and after you're going to do that warm up with strides you're going to do that first part of the test you're going to take that recovery feel the need to recover as much as you need to within that 10 to 30 minute window then you're going to do a three minute or a three lap time trial again as even as possible then 10 to 15 minute cool down of light jogging or walking so with these data points that you get based on the uh, tests that you do, when you upload them to the Stride Power Center, you'll be able to look at this activity. You'll be able to say, okay, for my six lap, let's just say I did the six lap and then three lap test. Uh, you're going to enter um, on, on the site, you're going to enter your three lap result with the average power and then the duration, how long it took you. Then you're going to enter the six lap result with the power and the duration, so how long it took you, you're gonna press calculate. And so this is going to calculate your critical power. It's going to calculate your critical pace because you have the duration. It's also going to give you your zones, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, if we did the nine three minute test, you're going to enter your power for the nine minute result, and you're gonna enter your pace because we'll be able to see that on Power Center you'll enter your three minute result and then you'll enter your three minute 
pace. And so this is going to be in either kilometers or uh, miles per hour. It's based on your setting in your profile. Um, some other uh, literature and tests say to do the three laps first or the three minutes first. If you feel more comfortable doing that test, then totally you can do that. Just know that our equation is based off doing the longer um, one and, that, and that's how we, it's not necessarily based on doing the longer one first, but that's what we found has been the most uh, realistic test in uh, getting your critical power. Um, one other note here is that when you go to stride.com slash power center, you enter this in your settings, you'll see a thing that says two laps result. This does not impact the equation, how it gets calculated. This is just included as part of the warm up if you are doing laps on the track. And so it says to do that warm up. It says to do uh, the the strides and then do another piece of uh, warm up running. That's just what this two laps is. Uh, you can just enter whatever power or you know duration you were running for the last two laps of your warm up or the last uh, 800 meters or the last half mile of your warm up. Um, now that we're you know, supplied with this knowledge of how to do the test. We do the test, we calculate, we see our critical power. Um, I want to talk about other ways to calculate your, uh, your, your, your test. So um, let's say that it is sometime between November and April, and you happen to live in a place where you get a lot of snow. People ask, can I do this test indoors? Yes, you can. Uh, you just have to realistically know what to set in terms of the treadmill, uh, the, the, the treadmill speed, the treadmill incline. If you are using an incline to get an accurate number, power number for incline, you'll have to use the Stride mobile app to set the incline manually. Um, if you know you always run at 1% or 0% uh, or 2%, 3%, whatever you run on the treadmill, you just have to enter that number in the Stride app in the indoor running mode, it'll tell the stride what incline you're running at um, at that time. And then you do the same exact thing. You're running for minutes, you just look for that minutes display, uh, and then you go into Power Center afterwards, you take this sort of chunk uh, based on your, your, your test, whether you did separate activities for this nine minute, three minute, or six lap, three lap, this is going to be 1.5 miles, or it is going to be 2,400 meters or it is going to be 0.75 miles or 1,200 meters is, is what you're going to be looking for um, when, when you do this test on the treadmill specifically. Um, if you are going to do this test the same way, let's say you can only run on a bike path, but you want to do the six-lap, three-lap method, you're going to look on your uh, watch or your pre-marked route for one and a half miles or three-quarters of a mile, um, or you just run the same way you do uh, for the nine minute, three minute test. So I want to talk about a couple different um, tests here. This isn't a um, necessarily stride official um, test. We don't have this planned in Power Center right now, but you can do a 10 minute time trial, a 20 minute time trial, or a 30 minute time trial. Uh, and you can do different percentages of your uh, power during those 10, 20, or 30 minute time trials to get a estimate of your critical power. So if you do a 10 minute time trial, and this is going to err on the low side for giving you your critical power, uh, you're going to take 88% of that 10 minute power average, and that's going to be your 60 minute power, that FTP or that critical power. 
Um, for the 20-minute time trial, it's going to be 93%. And for people maybe thinking that they need to remember all these numbers, I will put this in the show notes. We'll put this on our website or in an email following up with the podcast. Um, so a 20-minute time trial is going to be 93%. Uh, of that is going to be your critical power. And then a 30-minute time trial, there are a couple different methodologies to this. Um, the one that I prefer is doing as long of an effort as close to uh, that that you know critical power duration, that 60 minute, which is why I tend to prefer these races. Uh, but the critical power tests are easier to do if you can't you know make a weekend reserve for a race. Um, the 30 minute time trial, if you uh, warm up 15 minutes, do those same strides, you do a 30 minute best effort as possible on a flat road or a track. Uh, and then you cool down for 10 or 15 minutes. You take the average power for the last 20 minutes of the time trial, and this is set as your critical power. Um, so the, the the one that we prefer at Stride just for the ease of calculation and the ease of information uh, and the ease of working it into your schedule is doing either the six-lap, three-lap, or the nine-minute, three-minute test, just so you know. So again, we'll have full write-ups on, on this. We already have full write-ups on the site of how to actually do the critical power test, how to input it into Power Center. Um, but I just wanted to give those other options for people that might not feel uh, great about having to uh, plan a workout, a super hard workout like this. Maybe they feel more comfortable with longer efforts. So those are other options that you can do. Um, the other one point I wanted to say about this is if you are training for the triathlon, you need to uh, specify your situation. So uh, if you are going to use a 5K or 10K time, you need to make sure it's from a sprint triathlon or Olympic triathlon, a uh, actual 5K or 10K distance leg finishing that triathlon. You can then use that power to get your critical power specifically for you during triathlons. So you don't want to see that fall off in uh you know in race efforts because you just did a 5k flat on the road after doing no biking or swimming before it obviously uh your body's a little bit more strained doing that swimming and biking before so you want to make sure you simulate your conditions as much as possible um and then if you would like to do a critical power test in the way of the six lap three lap or the nine minute three minute uh we recommend that you do about an hour ride before that to just simulate the sort of conditions based off you entirely. So um, your situation, so let's say you only do um, the short distance triathlons, um, you might be able to bike for just a little bit less. If you do a little bit longer, like the half Ironman, you need to simulate your situation a little bit better to be able to get more of an idea of how you can actually perform. Um, the last, second to last thing I wanna talk about is a couple mistakes that people make uh, when in, in regards to critical power stuff. So the first mistake is not testing at all. You have a wealth of information that you can uncover if you simply put in uh, you know, nine laps on the track of effort or 12 minutes overall of effort or doing a 5K or 10K. Uh, if you do not do the critical power test, you can't possibly have as accurate as information to help your training. So that's the first mistake. The second mistake is going to be that you're switching your testing methods all over the place. So let's say you are training for a specific marathon that is very hilly and it's on dirt roads and has a little bit of trails and you do all your critical power tests solely on flat track. 
there is going to be a little bit of a difference there because you cannot possibly expect that doing workouts in a critical power test on a track will all of a sudden give you the exact number that you'll be running on a uh, hilly terrain uh, or um, you know terrain that is dirt, terrain that is mud, terrain that might be different conditions. So the important thing to know is that you need to be consistent in your te testing methods. Let's say you do a track critical power test and then you go run a trail half marathon and you see how those two relate to each other, you can continue doing track critical power tests knowing that it relates a certain way to you specifically. Um, but if you're training for specifically the roads, it might be a little bit better idea to do your critical power test on the road. If you're training specifically for track uh, or track races or very fast courses on the road that um, you might not be able to stimulate as well because you live in a very hilly place, uh, you should do the critical power test to best simulate your conditions during your goal performance. So that might mean uh, doing a similar taper if you feel the need to squeeze out that extra 1% of accuracy for the critical power test. It might mean that you need to wear the same shoes uh, that you're going to be wearing for race day. Uh, you just need to make sure that any factor that you can maybe account for you need to make sure that you're 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 going to do that. So uh, that goes into number three is not replicating conditions or being uh, aware of the conditions. So let's say that you are training for the Boston Marathon, the the, the marathon in Boston in April, uh, one of the biggest marathons in the world. The weather can be a little bit up and down. Uh, specifically referencing 2018, it was very cold, rainy, and windy. And we saw some people not perform as well as they had hoped. Uh, if you did a critical power test in nice and sunny California uh, two weeks before the marathon, you had this specific power target. Then all of a sudden, it's you know 30 degrees colder. It's rainy. It's windy. You need to be aware of how that might impact you. So you can't necessarily go out expecting um, to run the same exact thing you did in sunny and dry California. Uh, on a uh, course that might not be representative of what you tested your critical power on or the weather might be slightly different. That does not mean that you have to throw that critical power estimate out of the window. You can use that for training leading up to the race to best prepare for the race than deal with the race as it comes. But again, like I said, we'll talk about race planning specifically in another episode. Um, the fourth mistake is not paying attention to fitness changes. So let's say you did a critical power test uh, at the beginning of January, it's now uh, the middle of March, you probably have some fitness changes. You haven't done one in eight weeks. Uh, you haven't done one in months. You haven't done one in 12 weeks. You haven't done one in half a year. It makes sense if you're continuing to have success with your training to keep using those training zones if you continue to feel good doing that. But if all of a sudden you're running much faster then what your zones are saying and you're saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be holding back too much and limiting my performance, you probably need to do another critical power test. Or let's say um, you took eight weeks off of running, you probably need to, once you get back to running healthy, do a new critical power test, uh, put in that you know nine laps of effort or 12 minutes of effort to make sure that your training is as accurate as possible. The fifth mistake 
that I want to mention is not going near maximum or not matching the same effort that you will in races. If you only put in about 90% of your effort to these critical power tests and then you wonder why all of a sudden they aren't accurate, uh, then it, it, when it comes to race day, when you're putting in 110% effort, uh, 100% effort, of course it's not going to line up because you're not doing the same reasonable estimate in terms of the effort. It, it expects... Uh, the, the critical power tests expect that you're going to be um, going over a, to make 100% comparisons. You're going to be doing this similar sort of terrain, similar sort of weather, uh, and then also similar effort too. So you need to make sure that you're just keeping in mind that you want to match, uh, you know, kind of your goal as much as possible. You want to keep that consistency. You want to keep you know, uh, testing in the same place. If you've done critical power tests, let's say once a month, your coach says, hey, we're going to do a critical power test the third week in the month, uh, just to recalculate. You want to keep doing it consistently. So all of a sudden you aren't, you know, swinging up and down. And all of a sudden you ran on a dirt track this one time, and then you ran on a downhill course this next time. So you want to make sure that for you, you are being consistent. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is specifically when you finish inputting the uh, critical power test into the stride power center you will get the critical power in watts you will get your critical pace and then you will get your zones so you will in currently by default uh, as of march 2019 uh, the zones that are listed in stride power center are easy moderate threshold interval and repetition uh, by default, these will be calculated. You can make manual adjustments if you find that you need to um, increase your easy, decrease your moderate, decrease your easy, increase you know your threshold, all these things. Uh, you can make these changes if you want. Um, you'll also see the pace per mile that they line up to, again, based off of your critical power test surface and conditions. This is going to be as reflective as possible. Um, so I know just as an example for me, uh, my easy range, what I run for easy days based off doing a critical power test uh, is 224 watts, again for me, up to 275 watts. So I know that I can run at an easy effort up to 275 watts based off of my zones. For my moderate, it's 270 watts. 275 watts to 310 is my moderate range. My threshold, so this is again approaching that critical power, is the zone above moderate, and moderate would be design, uh, would be defined as that zone above easy, but this threshold zone is approaching that critical power. Interval uh, for me is 344 to 396, which is above that critical power, so that's going to be faster than I can possibly run for an hour, so it's going to be from there all the way up to 396, and then my repetitions are 396 to 447. Again, that's for me. Um, I weigh about 63 kilograms, so about 140 pounds. Um, your zones will be different based off your critical power. Your zones will be different based off your weight in terms of the wattage there. Um, so that is putting it into action, is looking at these different zones. If you have uh, certain zones that you already use, keep using those, don't necessarily Go to the zones that I mentioned. If you use the stride zones already, then totally keep doing that. Um, Steve Palladino has uh, seven zones with uh, different sub zones in them as well. So if you are interested in seeing how your critical power tears out to different zones, there is definitely more resources out there for you um, if you are interested. So uh, that is what I kind of wanted to wrap up with, taking you from the beginning, defining 
what critical power is. Again, that highest power that a runner can maintain for about one hour without fatiguing, knowing that there are um, people that might be in that 30 minute range for their critical power or up to 70, 75 minutes for their critical power, uh, knowing that in a future episode, we'll talk about race planning, but you run usually from 5K to the marathon about plus or minus 10% for your critical power, uh, knowing the different uh, definitions of lactate threshold, again, that uh, threshold at which your body begins to go through some physiological changes during a hard effort, uh, referencing VO2 max just so we can talk about it, uh, stepping how to actually go through a critical power test, giving you some alternate tests, talking about triathlon and doing a uh, test on the treadmill, talking about the mistakes that some people make while doing critical power tests or not doing critical power tests, and then talking about the zones that you can get from critical power. So um, that's what I wanted to reference and kind of encapsulate in this episode. If you have any feedback, we'd absolutely love to hear it. Um, you can email us at uh, stride at stride.com and it'll it'll go to us if you have any feedback um, definitely let us know if there's any subjects that you want to hear again if you can rate and subscribe on your podcast platform it helps other people be able to find the podcast easier in terms of the rankings so we can help more people uh, hear good training information and uh, if you have any people that you'd like to hear maybe interviewed in the future we have a, a list of a couple people we've reached out to so far but uh, we would definitely love to hear those recommendations as well. Um, and then, yeah, any any other uh, subjects you want to hear covered, we, we really love this project. It's going to be a super fun thing to do and produce every week. Um, I do want to give a quick plug as well. If you are going to be running at the Boston Marathon coming up in uh, a month and two days from the time of this recording, um, we're going to be there at the expo as well. So if you uh, want to stop by, uh, look, look, look for the people wearing the stride shirts, uh, we'd be... Uh, really excited to talk to anybody um, that's at the expo. So that wraps it up for this episode, episode number four. Again, my name is Evan. Um, I really appreciate everybody taking the time to listen. Uh, I welcome any criticism and feedback. So we want to continue making this a, a, a great sort of training tool for people. Um, but as I said, this was episode number four, all about critical power. Uh, we will catch you in the next episode. <laughs> Thank you.